Good evening, everyone. Good evening? Good evening. Oh, good, good, good. There really is someone there. Well, great to be with you. Uh, I've really enjoyed uh, spending the day uh, here. I caught a, a plane up uh, yesterday evening. I have to confess, I got, I got on the plane. I couldn't work out why I could only get an aisle seat from London. And then I got on the plane and realized that half of France was on the plane with me. Uh, made me just say this, as an Englishman among you, thank you. <laughs> Those of you who don't know, Scotland did very well today in a rugby game, uh, which means that England had won, at very least won the championship. So we are very, very grateful to you um, for that. But it is, it is really, it is great to be here. And uh, just particularly wanted to say, uh, Dave uh, is part of our council, uh, and uh, he uh, is very much, uh, the UK council is also part of the Scottish uh, executive board, and uh, we are just so appreciative um, of his encouragement and support of us. And indeed of you as a church, you are a membership church um, of the Evangelical Alliance. You've seen a little bit about what we're about, and uh, there's a little leaflet uh, that I think you got as you came in, and uh, that will give you a little bit more details. And we, we produce just loads of resources um, for Christians in terms of all ki kinds of things of life that you might be wanting to be resourced for. So if you want some more information about us, just fill that leaflet in uh, and either send it in or send it, give it to me at the end of the service. Now, we're, we're exploring... Uh, this passage in John uh, chapter 8. And in, as we explore um, this passage, we, 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 we're actually getting to the, the heart of the gospel, the heart of the God story. Uh, we're getting to some foundational issues. And uh, I started calling this talk an encounter with tolerance. But the more I, I thought about it, the more I kind of delved into it, I realized I wasn't happy with the word tolerance. Tolerance seemed too weak for what we were going to talk about and look at this evening. I could only, I had to use the word grace to explain what we were looking at this evening. This is a, this is a, a story that is packed with grace. You see, Tolerance is only to be found within a world which has been shaped by grace. The passage that we've read, John chapter 8, it, it's in some, uh, some uh, manuscripts it isn't to be found. There's some dispute where it's, it sits. But clearly this particular encounter of Jesus and the woman was part of the, the essence of the teaching of the early church. Where... We're in the temple, the, the very heart of the religious and legal life of the Jewish people. It's the power base of religion. The atmosphere is getting tense. John's gospel is leading us inevitably towards the cross, towards the Easter events. And here is Jesus on collision course with the authorities. As you 
heard the passage read. I don't know how you felt. There's a whole mixture of emotions, particularly as you get into the, uh, the emotion of the woman in the story. There's, well, there's fear. There's embarrassment. There's shame. There's anger. Perhaps towards the end, there's relief. The story's full of all kinds of unanswered questions. How did she get herself into this mess? What was Jesus writing on the ground? What happened next? And of course the question, where was the guy? John's not interested in the detail. The heart of the story is about this amazing encounter that takes place between Jesus and the woman. And it's an encounter of grace. But before we get to the encounter with grace, there's an encounter with some enemies of grace. First one, an encounter with sin. Verse 4, Jesus this is the Pharisees, the, uh, the, the religious teachers. Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. See, no one's disputing the fact she was caught in the act. She's in the wrong. Sin has taken place. But there's something else going on here, isn't there? This can't be right, can it? There's another kind of sin that's happening here as well. One moment, whatever the backstory, we don't know the backstory, but whatever the backstory, one moment she's in an intimate sexual encounter, the next moment she's surrounded half naked in the temple by a whole crowd of men. It can't be right, can it? And where is the guy? Adultery is not possible without a other person. The ancient world wasn't a good place for women. But let's face it, many parts of our world today are not great places for women. Rape has become a weapon of war. Female genital mutilation, FGM, is so common in so many nations. Nations that we trade with, nations that we go on holiday to. And yet somehow it's become an, it's an acceptable norm within those nations. But hey, let's not just point the finger abroad, let's look at the UK. It's estimated every day there are a thousand Assaults on women, sexual assaults on women. 85,000 women just in England and Wales are raped every year. And two women per week are murdered by either their partner or their ex-partner. This is the UK that we're talking about. We're not talking about far distant places. This is the UK. And let's also have an honest moment among ourselves. Sadly, the church hasn't always been a great place for women 
to flourish in. So we've got an encounter with sin. But there's an encounter with religion that's taking place as well. Verse 3. Teacher, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery and they made her stand before the group. You see, so often sin leads to an encounter with religion. It's the religious scholars, it's the Pharisees. They caught her in the very act, they say. I kind of want to ask the question, what were they doing? Hadn't they got better things to do with their time? Hanging around hotels in Jerusalem? What's that all about? Of course, it's, it's a trap. It's a trap for the woman. It's a trap for woman, for Jesus. It's vindictive. It's public humiliation that's taking place. She's a pawn in this religious game that they're playing. They say to Jesus, Moses says, stone her. What do you say? It's amazing what you can do with a few Bible verses. You can almost get away with murder. A few years into my married life with Anne, I realized God was challenging me. You see, I, I was a, you know, I'm, I am, I was a, a kind of Bible-believing Christian. I, I knew the Bible verses. I knew that, that well, I, I knew that, um, that, a woman, uh, that the wife was to submit to the husband. I, I knew that the head of the wife was the husband. I could quote the Bible, read, Bible passages. I could quote them well. But I realized that somehow... It wasn't good news for Anne. There was something that I was missing and God was putting his finger on my life in my relationship with Anne. And things needed to change and frankly, it was me that needed to change. There was something out of order in my relationship with my wife. I needed to ask him to help me. I needed to allow him to challenge me in the way that we related together. It needed to change. Thank God it did. But you know, I've, I've spoken to many people. I've observed many lives damaged through religion. Lost relationships. Parents, children, brothers, sisters, husbands, wives. Somehow religion got in the way. And grace was lost. See, these are the enemies of grace that we're talking about. Sin. Religion. We end up, if we're not careful, fighting over secondary things. And we lose relationships. And then, of course, there's an encounter with judgment. Verse 6. They were using this question, they, Jesus, that, that John says, as a trap in order to have a basis to accuse him. 
these men that surrounded the woman in the temple were carrying stones in their hands. There was, there, was, there was no attempt to grapple with the pastoral issues. They couldn't have cared less about the woman. They're looking for judgment. Whatever Jesus does in this, he's the loser. If he goes one way, he's in trouble with the Romans. If he goes the other way, he's in, in trouble with the Jewish leaders. The crowd are looking for judgment. The religious leaders are looking for judgment. Uh, have you noticed what happens? Have you noticed how Jesus refuses to be rushed? Have you noticed the body language? The bending down? The writing on the ground? And, and listen to the words. It's as if Jesus, he kind of, it's a neat sidestep he does. It's verse 7. You without sin, he says to the crowd. You without sin, he says to the Pharisees and the, and the teachers of the law. You without sin, you throw the first stone. Some of the older translations, you know how they have headlines you know, the introducer passage. Some of the older translations have the headline, the woman caught in adultery. I, I, I want to rename this. This is not about a woman caught in adultery. This is about men caught with stones in their hands. These, these stones are the enemies of grace. And suddenly, Jesus speaks these words over the crowd. And the crowd begins to disappear. I imagine the sound of stones falling to the ground. And the men disappear from the scene. You see, for the woman, well, the stones represent all the enemies of grace. Words, words that have been spoken over her. Perhaps words that she's spoken to herself. Words that others have said. Words that she lives with day in and day out. Lies. Enemies of grace. You know, there are enemies of grace that we face, that we live with. Events of the past that shape today, that speak to us in our today. Listen to the words, God's given up on you. There's no way out. Who do you think you are? Just give up. No one could ever love you. Pack it in. Give it up. You're no hope. The enemies of grace, shaped by the stuff of the past. 
just go back to the woman. You see, the stones are stones of judgment. But there's only one person in the crowd who's qualified to bring judgment. <laughs> and it, it, it seems like he's not really interested in it. You see, the enemies of grace that have challenged and come to this woman, as she encounters Jesus, she encounters grace. This is a grace encounter that's happening here. The accusers have gone. And it's just her and Jesus. Notice the body language. He stands up. He looks her in the eye. It seems like for the whole, first time in this whole encounter, someone is speaking to her. And it's Jesus who's speaking to her. And listen to the words he says. Neither do I condemn you, he says. See, grace is an extraordinarily risky business. See, grace is it's almost too good to be true. Grace doesn't mean that Jesus accepts the sin, accepts the adultery. But Jesus' final words to her, it's almost as if it's an invitation an invitation to live another, world, another way. It's so important we get the tone of voice right as we hear Jesus speak these words over her. It's almost as if he puts it like this, go now, he says to her, and from, up, from now on, don't sin. See, grace is so much richer, so much deeper the mere tolerance. Grace speaks to the core of her being and speaks liberation and speaks release. Grace calls her to a higher way. Grace is God at work in this woman's life. Grace is God's favour to her. Grace speaks of God's forgiveness to her. She's encountering grace in the temple as she's encountering Jesus. And there's an invitation to her, an invitation to live another way. This is the gospel. This is the good news. This is the kind of church that we want to be. My, uh, my wife Anne, a few years ago now, used to do some supply teaching. And uh, on one particular day, she went into a primary school and uh, she, was, she was covering for a teacher who was off sick and it was with some six and seven-year-olds. And she wasn't, frankly, all that used to teaching six and seven-year-olds and she's got a day with them. And Well, the morning 
Well, she sat in the staff room at lunchtime, and the morning had gone really badly. In fact, it was close to hell. In fact, eternal conscious torment might have been better than being in the classroom with those six or seven-year-olds. She said, I've got, she said to me afterwards, I had to do something different. And she came up with this scheme, and the scheme was this. She went into the classroom after lunch, and they were all gathered around, and she said to them, she said, look, this afternoon I really want you to work well. And I'm going to give out some stickers to those who do well and work well and work quietly and work efficiently during the course of this afternoon. She said it was like a miracle took place. Suddenly, this, this class of near demoniacs had been transformed by the promise of a sticker. And during the course of the afternoon, as it went on, she she, she went from one to another and gave out stickers to those that were working diligently. And she found that kids were helping each other and they were, they were collaborating and, they were, and work was taking place. And by the end of the afternoon, by 3.15, as the bell was about to go, half the class had got a sticker. And she came to the end and she said, no, the, the, what you guys have done, you've done so well this afternoon. Thank you for working. I'm going to put a note on the board for your teacher to say how well you've done. And you know what? Before anybody leaves this afternoon, I want every one of you to have a sticker. <gasps> the look on their faces. And so they paraded out, and those that went, had stickers already went first, and those who were waiting for stickers came up to her, and she put stickers on their, uh, their, their, their ja jackets, and they went out with stickers. But there was one little girl who was sitting there, her name's Lucy, and, and she, she sat there, and she was shaking her head, and Anne went over to her. And Lucy looked Anne in the eye, and she said these words. I don't deserve a sticker. Seven years old. And something deep down in the core of her brought her to a place of conviction that she didn't deserve a sticker. You know, there are hundreds of thousands of people walking the streets of Edinburgh tonight, deep, deep, deep down, living with a sense of conviction. They don't deserve a sticker. Actually, if we're honest, there's probably quite a lot of us in here, deep down, in the core of our being. We're just convinced we don't deserve a sticker. And of course, the truth of it is, that in the economy of God, we don't deserve a sticker. But the amazing grace story is this. That because of Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection, God speaks over us and says, I'm giving out stickers. You can have a sticker Tonight, the stones drop to the floor. The enemies of grace can be released. 
and we receive the sticker of God's grace. And he says to us, daughter, son, I love you. I embrace you. I speak over your life. Those, those lies that have been spoken into your life, that stuff of life that has shaped you and caused you to question who you are and your contribution into life and family and society. I speak into those things and I declare forgiveness, love, grace, mercy. You get a sticker. I just felt in praying about this evening. It was almost as if God had bundles of grace for us to receive this evening. The enemies of grace come against us, but God comes and has bundles of grace for us to receive. The woman had a grace encounter in that temple. And there's grace encounters for us. I wonder if we could pray together. Maybe the band could come up. Libby's going to uh, lead us in some response. But I'd, I'd love to pray before uh, we go on. Let's bow our heads and let's pray for a moment. Listen to the words of Jesus. Neither do I condemn you. Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you for your grace. So amazingly personified in Jesus. Thank you that you desire to come to each of us, to overwhelm us with your love, with your mercy, with your forgiveness, and with your grace. Thank you that the stuff of the past, the lies that come against us, don't have to have any power in our lives. And so we open up ourselves to you. We ask you that you would embrace us with your grace. That you would come. And as it were, that you'd put that sticker of your grace upon us. That we might leave here knowing that we are a grace-filled people. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.